resonating that like that? Okay. Did you hear that? Yeah. I thought it was an earthquake. <laughs> it's not. Okay. Let me get my posture here. I'm not sitting correctly. Okay. Is your vibe set? Yeah. Okay. Hi, I'm Becky. And I am Nick. This is Isms. Welcome. Mm. Welcome to it this week. Welcome. Late. We're, we're a little behind. You know what? There's no pressure. There's no such thing as late. There's no... no Doesn't count. Yeah. Unlike so many levels, like, who has the time to care about anything in the world? Certainly not this. <laughs> Well, I'm happy to um, be doing it at least late yeah. is fine. Um, can I tell you, and I told you a little bit, but I had an angel reading this last mm. week Yes. via FaceTime. First off. Yeah. You were going to need to, you're going to need to say what an angel reading is. Yeah. Because no one, <laughs> although I don't want to say nobody, but like. Mm, no, not no, not a lot of people are going to know what that is. I so. feel like this is like a pretty good uh, target audience mm-hmm. for this. Um, so basically, it's this woman. She's based in L.A. Her name's Taylor, and she is um, she's like very connected to angels and archangels. Like she gets like messages and downloads from them, and gives. Um, it's kind of like a spirit guide uh, reading sort of thing. Um, and she does, like, birth charts and all that kind of stuff. I just did, like, a little mini 20-minute reading. Um, I had to prepare two questions for her. So we started it with, um, she did, like, a little guided meditation. And um, I repeated, like, this little, not a prayer, but, like, an invitation to invite my angels in. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, my God, your angels are so happy that you're here, mm-hmm. which I'm sure she says to everyone. Well, see, that's the thing is that maybe she doesn't. <laughs> maybe she doesn't. But it was funny because she was like, I'm going to, we're going to do this little, um, like, meditation. And then, like, things, like, have already started coming to me. So I'm just going to, like, hop into it. And I was like, okay. So we did the meditation. And she was like. This is over Zoom. This is over FaceTime. Mm-hmm. So, and it, the funny part was is her uh screen was lagging the whole time so like i like the whole time was her like eyes just like shutting slowly over like 20 minutes long it was pretty funny wow um but she was immediately like oh so you i'm seeing you you were a monk um i'm pick, i'm seeing you on like a snowy mountain um somewhere just meditating um she was like clearly you've led many many spiritual lives before um and she was like, your aura is blue and there's some red at the top. I'm seeing that your crown chakra and your throat chakra are um, closed. Do you have anything to say about that? And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Not great at communicating. Sure. Um, so she said that. That was interesting. Um, and that like answered one of my questions that I had for her because my two questions were, who um, are my spirit guides or my angels and what were some of my past lives? Um, and so as far as the spirit guide question, she was like, I'm just getting a, gi- a gigantic tree, like a huge tree with its roots going like down into the core of the earth and like out the other side. Like that's your spirit guide, which was surprising because I thought she was going to say like, like an old timey Victorian ghost woman or something. I wonder what the other options are. I think that it's anything. I wonder how many people have 
similar ones. Yeah. I was not expecting that at all. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was good. I think she's the real deal. I didn't feel like I was being, like, scammed or anything. I found out from her, from, like, one of the woo-woo podcasts that I love. So mm-hmm. I trust it. Um, it was cool. It was also not expensive. It wasn't super expensive. Well, yeah, it wasn't expensive, I'd say. Um, but her name is Taylor Page. I forget what her Instagram handle is, but I can put it in the show notes if anybody else is interested. Because I, I thought it was cool. Just a little thing, you know? People probably don't even know that that's something that existed. Yeah, I, sh- would, I sure didn't. They'd probably like to have it done. Yeah. Um, she also, like, just said a lot about, like, nature. Like, I need to, like, be in nature when I'm, like, stressed and triggered and, like, to garden and all that kind of stuff, which definitely resonates with me. Oh, Tony's eating some plastic. No. Tony, t- can you, can you not? Oh, I'm pausing. I'm pausing it. We're back. Tony got the plastic out of his system. Um, yeah, so that was cool. I would recommend, so, to, I, would, I would say yes, do it. If you're wondering if you should do it, definitely do it. Let me know if you also get a tree as your spirit guide or if um, anything else is similar. Then I'll know it was a scam. I just always think that that's, um, it would almost, it's funny because it defeats the purpose to begin with because my thought is like, well, the easiest way to do it is you just pay the Mm -hmm. fee over and over and over again and just have different people do it Mm -hmm. and have them recount what happens and you pay them to do it too. Yeah. But it's funny because by doing that, you're paying the person who you're trying to figure out if it's like... Oh, yeah. They win. They always win. So it's like to, the, to find out, you got to pay them. To not find out, you don't. Yeah. It doesn't really. But I don't know how much of it is. Uh, I don't know if they're ever claiming to be anything that would be like. Absolute, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. Yeah, probably, I don't think. Yeah. The way their their language is probably, you know, mm-hmm. kind of wavy. Yeah, so definitely wavy is a good word. Oh, and then she pulled a, a couple of tarot cards from me at the end and, and then texted me a picture of them. Um, and I forget what they were. But I feel like tarot readings, like, you can kind of mold that into kind of anything that you want it to, like, pertaining to what's going on in your life. So, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's it's open to a, a lot of interpretation. Mm-hmm. I I still love it. Yeah. I don't think, again, I don't see anything wrong with it because it's not hurting anybody. Exactly. I don't think it's... You know what hurts people, though? Hmm. At least it hurt me in high school. Hmm. Math. Yeah. And that we're, we're going to talk about nice some little, numbers nice today. Little, nice little segue. Did, that segue was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. How do you feel about math, Nick? I love math. I'm not great at math. I feel like I was, uh, I was really, really good at, like... If you can call, like, simple math arithmetic. Sure. I I think arithmetic is fun. Yeah, it was really good. Short division, long division, PEMDAS. Very good at that type Mm -hmm. of stuff. Okay. But then once it got to, um, I would say once it got to, like, right past square root fractional Mm -hmm. division, right on the other side of that Mm -hmm. is where I just lost it. Yeah, me too. I feel like I missed like maybe two days max in like sixth grade, and for some reason, just like, I don't even. Yeah, like I barely passed geometry. 
which um, is interesting. I love geometry. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, I wish that I could have made more sense of it because I think it's like cool that numbers can be proven. Be proven. Yeah, so that was exactly. The best part. That was the best part about geometry. Yeah. It's like you have your answer right there. I also had the great, the world's greatest geometry teacher. What was his name Sean, or her name? His, name? his name was Sean Rule. Okay, you've talked about him before. You yeah. you're still Facebook friends with him, I love him. right? You yeah, love, I love Mr. Him. Rule. You can't. He doesn't let you call him that anymore. After he's not your teacher anymore, you gotta like, call, call him Sean, Sean. Which always, I'm like, dude, I just call him. I just call him dude most of the time. Yeah. But I owe such a large debt to him because That's he was so nice. such. I, I feel like I was at such an impressionable age. Mm-hmm. And he was so cool. Yeah. So I was just like, oh my God, this dude is the man. And That's he continues to be the man. I he can't still, all imagine. All the stuff he currently does. I'm like, you're awesome. Everything That's you do. so cool. I look up to him. I can't imagine being a high school teacher mostly because like those are such formative years mm-hmm. for kids. Mm-hmm. Like, and I can only imagine how frustrating it could be. And fun to be a high school teacher, but was, that's a lot of pressure. He was almost like, this is going to sound like weird, but like he, it was almost like his level of animation, mm-hmm. like in way he, the way he taught and like his level of energy was sort of like Robin Williams-esque. Ooh, <gasps> so you had a little Dead Poets Society going but not, on. But not, not corny, <laughs> never corny. Yeah. You know what I mean? He you was just can, like, he you was don't very, not like corny. He was very true to yeah. like his self and energy, mm-hmm. but it was high energy. That's cool. Very high energy. But you I, could tell he was very smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was just young too. Yeah. That was the other thing. He was only, when he was teaching me, he was like. Late 20s? Maybe like 25. A baby. A baby right out of school. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's weird how young teachers are. Or maybe he was older because I think he. Maybe he was 52 and you're no, just dyslexic. No, he wasn't. I don't um, think he's even 50. So I have a little um, pop quiz for you. Do you remember the Pythagorean theorem? Is that the A squared plus B squared equals C squared? That's what it is. Yes. So today we're talking about, so there's a religion called mm-hmm. Pythagoreanism oh, that awesome. Pythagor- Pythagoras started. Awesome. Um, so obviously we're talking numbers and philosophy this episode mm. it's gonna get a little wordy i'm gonna say it to you now that's okay this is a great episode to throw on if you're trying to fall asleep oh wow so it's gonna <laughs> be a he, snooze if, fest <laughs> i don't think it's gonna be a snooze are fest, you gonna but... just read a rifle a bunch of numbers <laughs> off at me <laughs> the whole time i'm just gonna like pop is, it gonna quiz you. Like is it gonna sound like you're reading off like a receipt no, it's not actually because like there's really weird stuff about this, okay. like brotherhood, like a fear of beans and stuff. So I'm is just going to... Is this gonna, real? This is real. This okay. Yes. All right. So here's some, some basics. So Pythagoreanism is a philo- philosophical school and religious brotherhood believed to have been founded by Pythagoras of Samos, who settled in Croton in southern Italy about 525 BC. I think it's Croton. It's definitely not Crouton. Crotone? I don't know. I should have looked that up. Anyway, so Pythagoreanism held the reality that at its deepest level, it's mathematical, that philosophy can be used for spiritual purification, and that the soul can rise to union with the divine. So there's like, there's some stuff, there's some mystical stuff going on here. So it is the earliest known systematic cult based on the rule of numbers. First number cult. 
Um, it also okay. ascribed to the idea that certain symbols have mystical significance, and that is related to um, like sacred geometry, which we'll talk about later, which is one of my favorite things. Oh, yeah. It demanded that members of the order observe strict loyalty and secrecy and like rule following, which I know you and I both love following rules. We'll get into that. Sure do. And it is the first important Western system of thought to advocate vegetarianism. And there's some weird logic behind that that we'll get into. Okay. Um, so here's a description of it from Encyclopedia Britannica that I liked the most. So combining a rationalistic theory of numbers with a mystic numerology and a speculative cosmology with a theory of the deeper, more enigmatic reaches of the soul, Pythagoreanism interweaves rationalism, irrationalism more inseparably than does any other movement in ancient Greek thought. Okay. So it is a mishmash of a bunch of different things. It's it's very much like about duality, like black and white, dark and night, yin and yang, mm. um, but with a with a math twist, like that's cool. I'm interested in what the math twist is. You gotta we love it. Into the math twist yet? We will. We will get to the math twist. Everybody loves a math twist. I'm looking forward to the math twist. I'm surprised you remembered the Pythagorean theorem. Actually, no, I'm not, because I remembered it too, like right away. I remember a lot of them. Tell me another theorem you remember. No. <laughs> Come on. No, no, no. If you think of one mid-episode, like any time during the episode, just shout out something that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Here's some uh, history about the man, the myth, the legend, Pythagoras himself. We're not going to go like super far into him, but I thought a little history would be fitting. So he was a famous Greek mathematician and philosopher who thrived in the 6th century BCE, known for the Pythagorean theorem, um, which was about right angle triangles. Mm -hmm. The dude loved triangles. Triangle, the perfect shape. The perfect shape. But um, it's in fact, it's not even 100% known whether the Pythagorean theorem in geometry was actually discovered by him, but his followers were like, like hell-bent on like attributing this to him they were like yes it's him um this is because pythagoras is found at the cusp dividing written history from verbal record so um he's like another one of these religious people that um like just didn't feel like recording anything down on paper it was all mostly verbal for him hmm. um so that doesn't help our knowledge of him that he insisted that nothing of his teachings be written down and that his followers were also sworn to secrecy. That's like the... <laughs> if you tell anybody, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so his life and ideas are shrouded in myths, distortions, exaggerations, uh, outright lies, and it's impossible to know which is which. But his intellectual reverberations have persisted for two and a half millennium. So that's got to say something about him. Um, and scholars like love like rallying behind him um, to like reconstruct historical facts. I think he's like just a good character in like a Greek setting. So it's like mm, there's like a handful of guys to choose from. That one sounds like Pythagoras. Okay. I'm following. I can tell. I'm absorbing. You're engaged. Yeah. I can tell by your posture. So what do we think we know about him? We think we know that he was born in Samos, a little island off the western coast of Asia Minor. Um, it said he had a good childhood. He grew up with a couple brothers. He was well-educated. Um, he did not agree with the government and the schooling of Samos, so he moved to Croton. 
not Crouton, and set up his own cult of followers under his rule, who worshipped numbers and they lived like monks. His followers did not have any personal possessions and they were all vegetarians, like I mentioned earlier. Hmm. But this is not a bibliographic podcast about a dude who may or may not have come up with these math proofs. So let's get to the religion instead. Enough of this, man. Um, so here's some cool stuff. I labeled this section Pythagoreanism cool stuff. Okay. The first part is about music. So mm-hmm. uh, the Pythagoreans were especially fascinated by the presence of numbers in the natural world, and their most spectacular discovery was the musical harmonies. So they loved like whole number ratios and how that related to music. Okay. Obviously. You as a musician. Musician. Wow. <laughs> a musician is in my presence and he will understand. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So a string, like think uh, think violin string, mm-hmm. produces a note with a particular pitch. Mm-hmm. A string one half as long produces an extremely harmonious note to the first. So this is an octave. Mm-hmm. Um, a string two thirds as long produces the next harmonious note called the fifth. And then... One three-fourths as long produces the fourth. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea that it was like the length of the string that p- created the, um, the octaves and stuff. So today these harmonies are traced to the physics of vibrating strings, which moves in patterns of waves. Did you know that? Say that again. These harmonies are traced to the physics of vibrating strings, which moves in patterns of waves. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Sound waves, yeah. Sound. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. I knew that sounds traveled by waveform. I knew that. Yeah. The, the musician. I'm a musician. That's how know, I know. And he knows sound waves. Yeah. Okay, so the number of waves that can fit into a given length of string is a whole number, and these whole numbers determine simple ratios. So when the numbers do not form a simple ratio, the corresponding notes interfere with each other and form discordant notes. Easy. So the full story is more complex than that, involving what the brain becomes accustomed to, but there's a definite rationale behind the Pythagorean um, discovery of octaves and strings and holes and halves and ratios of notes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. For sure. Um, A cool thing, too, is that the Pythagoreans believed that music was purification for the soul and it was just as, as important as medicine. Agreed. Yeah. I like them for that. Maybe I'll take that with me. Take that one with you. So next is some fun facts about what they believed about the soul and reincarnation. So Pythagoreans believed in the dualities that the body and soul function together. Um, They believe a healthy body required a healthy physique. So they were cut. They were hot. They were taking care of their bods. Vegetarians. Vegetarians. Cut vegetarians. Who looked in the mirror and said, look good, feel good. I'm a monk. Let's go get these numbers today. I'm a monk. I'm a monk. Um, Early Pythagoreans conceived of the soul as the seat of sensation and emotion. They regarded the soul as uh, distinct from intellect. So they were fully committed to soul and body are separate, but functioning together. Which I feel like was kind of um, a little bit new for that time. I mean, this is in the BC era, which is blowing mm-hmm. my mind still. Yeah. It's a, it, it is as advanced as it is. Mm-hmm. I just That's had a, a memory of a memory from last week where I was researching this and I found an episode of it was a, a Donald Duck episode where they 
explained all of this in like Disney Donald Duck form. Like it had to have been from like the 60s or 70s. It was wild. We should. What does that sound? Oh. What is that? I don't know. It's gone now. Um, anyway. Yeah, this episode of Donald Duck, um, and they had, like, the trippy, like, Disney, like, Fantasia-type animations of, like, violin strings, like, like, boinging, and it was, it was really cool. I recommend watching it. I think I saw it on YouTube. I just Googled Pythagoreanism Donald Duck. That's pretty cool. It was cool. Um, so Pythagoras taught, um... Metempsychosis, which refers to the transmigration of the soul, especially its reincarnation after death. So he learned of this through a parallel religion called Orphism. So Orphism was like taking off kind of around the same time as Pythagoreanism. They were both um, like these Greek religions that kind of had just very, very slight differences. But this Orphism was founded by Orpheus. Um, but it taught that the soul and the body are united by a compact, unequally binding of both. So the soul is divine, immortal, aspires to freedom, while the body holds it in as a prisoner. So the body is like imprisoning the soul inside of it. Which oh God. is very That sounds ble- terrible. <laughs> sounds bleak, yeah. But death dissolves this this prison. Right. So, um, but only to re-imprison the, liber- the liberated soul after a short time because of the wheel of birth and life and death, which continues all the time. Mm. So, thus, the soul continues its journey, alternating between a separate, unrestrained existence and a fresh reincarnation around the wide circle as necessary as the companion of many bodies of men and animals. So, they believed animals could be, people could be reincarnated between animals and men. Got it. Which is a question you usually, or a, a point you usually bring up about reincarnating. Yeah, because I'm, I'm always like, what's the threshold of belief? Yeah. Like, am I a squirrel? An ant is what I always think about. Imagine how strong. insignificant, though. Think of how, mm-hmm. in, how many yeah. ants. I mean, at least that's like a quick life. Like, you learn what you need to learn that lifetime real, real fast. Right. But it's like, it's like, is that on the table or not? I'm saying yes. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. And then if it's like interdimensional, it's like, were yeah. you ever a dinosaur? Some, I mean. It gets weird. Open-ended questions like that give me a little bit of agita. Because sometimes mm-hmm. the scientist in me wants, wants the final answer. I feel like if you ignore what the final answer is and you just like are blown away by ma- how math works, then mm-hmm. you could be a Pythagoreanist. Mm-hmm. Isn't it hard to say? Whatever. I practiced whatever it in is. the mirror a couple times today. I looked at myself and I said... Pythagoreanism. Pythagoreanism. For Pythagoreanism followers, it was taught that the only way to free themselves from this cycle they were currently in was to obtain a higher understanding of the universe through introspective thought and philosophical study. So um, they believed in and did purification rituals that attempted to erase wrongdoings in committed in past lives, um, which is something that is interesting to me because I don't remember too many religions who believe in reincarnation focusing on like righting the wrongs of their past life. It's more of a moving forward, let's learn the next lesson thing. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, 
Yeah, that I mean, I'm sure it is addressed, but it seems that's not on the surface. Yeah, it's kind of looked over. So, um, oh, this is cool. Okay, Pythagoras accepted every facet of reincarnation, and he he added that there were 216 years between each reincarnation that a person has. So, 216, this is where we start getting into, like, the love of numbers. Okay. So, 216 was a number of great power within the Pythagorean Brotherhood. Um, it equals six cubed. So, six represents... Th- the number of marriage in Pythagoreanism being the product of the first even or female numbers and the first odd or male numbers. So even numbers are female, odd numbers are males to wow. them. Yeah. So what like, does zero count as? Um, I don't think I, I don't think they believe in zero. Okay. But I actually have a list of what all the numbers mean that we'll get to. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Not all the numbers. Oh, like, yeah. I, I have a stopping point. Um, Probably like one through nine. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, like reincarnation, six is circular because all the powers of six end in six. And what do you think the cubes of a Pythagorean three, four, five right angle triangle is summed to? Something with a six. Yes. I didn't write it down, but it's something with a six. What is it? <laughs> Can you look it up? What? Is it six, six, six? Let's say that it's six, six. Let's say that it's 69. I don't know what we're trying to figure out. Nice. Um, don't worry about it. Okay. We'll move forward. But it was something to do with a six. So Pythagoras himself seems to have claimed a semi-divine status in close association with the um, with Ap- Apollo. So he believed he was able to remember his earlier incarnations um, and to know more than others knew because he was the only one that like remembered um, this connection to Apollo and his um, other incarnations. Hmm. So Diogenes, who, whose name I love to say, but can't remember anything else about the man, uh, reports an account Pythagoras told people that he had lived four previ- previous lives that he could remember in detail. So the first of these lives, he was Athelides, which I'm not saying Athelite wrong. It's Athelides or Athelides, who is the son of Hermes. Also known as the first man to walk the earth, so they considered him like the Greek Adam, as an Adam and Eve. Um, and this was the life that granted him the ability to remember all of his past incarnations because of his relation to Hermes as his son. Um, so after that incarnation, he goes to uh, Euphorbus, who was a minor hero from the Trojan War, briefly mentioned in the Iliad. Next, he became the philosopher Hermodemus. Um, who was recognized on the shield of Euphorbus in the Temple of Apollo. Hip-hop Hermonymous. <laughs> I was waiting for, for something. Um, and then his final incarnation was uh, Pyrrhus, who was just like a basic fisherman, um, like a, a life of s- simplicity and like solitude kind of. Um, so he... Dibs on Pyrrhus. Yeah, for real, right? Sounds great. Yeah. That did confuse me, though, because I just finished reading Song of Achilles and Pyrrhus... In that, like, telling of Greek uh, history was a prince. So, you can imagine my confusion. I feel like it's uh, all of this for a large portion as anything goes. So Yeah, pretty much. If something were to deviate, they'd be like, that's nice. Mm-hmm. We'd, that's fine. Yeah. All right, let's talk about their diet in this brotherhood. The vegetarians. This diet. Yeah. So, they were forbidden to eat beans, especially fava beans. Okay. 
check this out. This is nuts. And this is in the like the 600 six, BC? 6 BC, yeah. 600 BC. Yeah. Which yeah. is so, oh my God, think about right? that. Yeah. Because again, it goes in reverse order to zero. <laughs> we have learned our lesson on that, yes. So 600 years <laughs> to zero. Yes. Then 1 AD. Yes. And we're in 20. Yes. 22. Wow. Damn, this topic is making me sweaty. Wow. Damn. Okay, let's talk about beans. Yeah. This no is... fava beans. I don't no, no fava beans allowed. Okay. This is some weird shit. So, <laughs> Pythagoras believed that humans and beans were spawned from the same source, and he conducted a scientific ex- experiment to prove it. Mm. So, he buried a quantity of beans in mud. He let them remain there for a few weeks, and then he retrieved them. He noted their resemblance to human fetuses, thus convincing himself of the intimate relationship between beans and humans. So, to eat a bean would therefore be akin to eating human flesh. Um, <laughs> equally, to crush, smash, or dirty a bean would harm a human. So, that was like one of the reasons why they had to abstain from, from, from beans. It's very bizarre and very specific. This is like and one very of those... wrong. Yeah. Too. Like, if you, know, if you plant a seed, it doesn't look like a fetus. I don't understand how... Yeah, I mean, I guess he just planted like a whole, whole ass fava bean and... Like, clearly, if you put it in the mud, it's going to get, like, shrivelly and, like, decomposed a little bit. So, yeah. It... Is this like when somebody has a, a piece of toast that looks like, like, Jesus' <laughs> like Jesus? face? Maybe. I mean, this goes really far. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel like it's that combined with, like, when, like, somebody gets an idea in their head that they can't, like, get rid of. Like, and knock it's... loose. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, that's irrational. And mm-hmm. everyone, like... It's like, that doesn't make sense, but right. it's Bible at that point. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. So uh, from this website, uh, philosophynow.org, if you broke this rule about beans, okay, you got a mock funeral and you would no longer exist in the minds of the brotherhood. So this stemmed partially from the Pythagorean precept that each person, person should strive for tranquility and peace. Um, but if you eat... Like, (laughs) this is, like, the immature version. Like, it says, but eat a plate full of beans and see what peace that brings you. (laughs) The the gurgling and squeezing of your intestines becomes anything but tranquil. Further, Pythagorean goal was to purify the body and psyche so that one could uh, return to the sun and rise beyond the stars to the Milky Way, for which purification beans were counterproductive. Um... It was also, like I said before, beans were akin to eating human flesh. But I love that this guy took it there. Like, this guy, this guy's a philosopher, and he's like, eh, you're going to get the farts. Well, beans, beans, the magical fruit is what he's saying. And that's not peaceful. That's I, disruptful. I get it, but uh, it's, it's, aren't, be, if, aren't beans, if you're a vegetarian, like, a very high source of like protein yeah like you don't you need that and fiber i think protein and fiber absolutely so it's like uh i'm viewing this as something where it's like if they're going to be hyper specific about being vegetarians and they're going to control that the people who practice it don't have that as Mm -hmm. like a source of protein it seems like that they're like purposefully Mm. weakening them you know what? That's true. Um, and it's I like that you brought that up because there were many accounts that I read of 
just Pythagoras himself being like, we need to sacrifice about 20 oxen right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to eat some because that it's that's sacrificial. But no, no, just me. I'm the only one. Say, oh, say, so you're, you're on to something there. It. Yeah. Um, We're going to take away their main protein source. I mean, they and could, the it's called a cult. Thing. It's called a cult for a reason. And you think of it too and you go, in your head you go, well, how hard is it to not eat beans? And then you go, it's like 600 BC. Everything's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like they're probably a gigantic source of Oh my god, yeah. They're they they food. they're easy to grow, they're cheap. And to like not be able to, obviously, is It's crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. Um and this last little bit about beans, um, I saw like a couple different um versions of this. So I thought it was worth mentioning. This could be like completely like mythology or folklore, but it's funny and it's because it said that Pythagoras died because because of beans so like his city was under attack and the only way out was through a fava bean field and he was like nope that's where I draw the line just kill me now I I will not go through the the bean field and apparently he was killed so that's incredible so dramatic that's so funny though I know and now like look at us today it's like people go on diets of only beans like beans are so good for you beans are in burritos and that's my favorite part about them well i think also that like like rice and beans as oh like my a god dish a staple is yeah like, that like it's nutritious and economically yeah i mean economically nutritious is what i was gonna say which kind of works wow if i ever run for anything i'm gonna run on the the basis of economic nutrition wow how about that wow it's cheap and good <laughs> how about that <laughs> um Okay, so no beans and then also forbidden to eat meat. So, due to his ever-strengthening belief in the transmigration of souls, Pythagoras became a vegetarian to avoid the chance of accidentally eating a friend or relative. This is so... That was his logic. I mean, this is just lunacy. This this dude is zany. He's zany. But I feel like he was very charming, as most cult leaders are. I just don't have any concept of what 600 BC is like. <laughs> like I can't, I can't do a setting. Do you want me to say I have like a picture of Pythagoras? Do you want me to? I'll text it to you. I mean, how how? Uh, maybe it'll just maybe give you a little, a little, uh, you know, a little taste. I'm texting it to you. I mean, a picture of Pythagoras is fine, but it's like says who? Who said that this is yeah. Pythagoras? Well, I mean, this? this is an illustration. But right. just to give you a vibe. I knew it wasn't a camera. <laughs> they had a camera taking a picture. A camera. Of um, I'll post this picture on Instagram too. But um, that's, there he is. Just sent it to you. Um, so yeah, he wouldn't eat meat because he was worried that it was a friend of his reincarnated from a past life. And they were, um, oh, they were like a dog. And I have a story about this. So here's a story. So this was like a catalyst. So it's reported that one day Pythagoras encountered a man beating his dog. First of all, like, no, 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 no. So as the dog whimpered and yelped in fear and pain, Pythagoras recognized the noises as the voice of his recently deceased friend. Oh, wow. So he physically intervened upon the man to release the dog, thus allowing his reincarnated friend to escape a life of misery. And then he was like, that's my friend. My friend could be an animal, thus I will not eat meat unless, I guess, it's sacrificial oxen or whatever. Mm. So, 
They also couldn't drink wine. Really? No meat, no wine, no fava beans. So I, I guarantee you. Wow. I think they were abs, abstinent too, but I, I'm, I don't think, you think Pythagoras was doing that? He had, he had a lot going on in, in his mind as far as numbers went. I think he needed a little, a little extra protein and some, some vino. Yeah, I mean, it's, what else are you going to do? It's 600 BC. Oh, no. Did you see that picture I sent you? Yeah, it's awesome. Does it help at all? Kind of, but this is just like an interpretation. <laughs> so yeah. it's like... Yeah. You know, just a visual. I would like... Yeah, I just... So, okay, that's that's their diet. So let's go into a little bit of cosmology around this. So around the time of Pythagoras... Understanding the cosmos was essential for self-understanding. So that was, you know, if you understood the planets and how they work, you were self-actualized. So this is this is kind of cool. They believed um, humanity is a microcosm, which is a reflection of the entire world in miniature. And then to know the powers of beauty, order, and reason that present in the greater cosmos allows humans to become aware of the divine principles reflected within ourselves. So because of this, science was considered a spiritual undertaking. Hmm. So I like that. Hmm. Um, that was from an article on science.jrank.org. Um, just to be thorough with my sources here. Um, just wanted to make sure I hit record. I did. Good. Wouldn't that have been awful? Hmm. Okay, so the Pythagoreans recognized the existence of nine heavenly bodies total. The sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, and then the so-called central fire, which I don't know what that is. Um, the number 10 was so important in their like their life view of cosmology that they believed there was a 10th body called counter-Earth that was hidden behind the sun. Um, but that didn't really take off, obviously, because we don't mm. have counter-Earth anymore. But they were like, we must have ten. Let's hide one behind the sun and call it fake sun. <laughs> right. Just <laughs> or around, fake Earth. Just to round it off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Pythagoras coined this term called harmony of spheres, and that was that the planets and stars move according to mathematical equations, which correspond to musical notes. And so the planets produce an inaudible symphony constantly in the sky. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Has anyone... Uh... I feel like Carl Jung hopped on this quick. And like, um, I feel like that's where he got his idea to send like music to space and stuff. I don't know who that is. I don't know. He's the guy, the cosmos guy that's like, you're this tiny speck. Mm-hmm. And here's the universe, and you would know him if you saw him. Hmm. J-U-N-G, Carl Jung. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so there's a chart called the Pythagorean Cosmic Morphology Chart um, that I wanted to look into a little bit. And I'm going to post a picture of it on Instagram. I'm going to send it to you right now so you can follow along with me. Because otherwise this would make no sense to you whatsoever. Let me find it. There it is. I got. I have so many pictures of triangles saved on my phone right now. Okay. So, did you get it? Yes, I got it. Okay. So, 
Let me tell you about this. This infogram depicts geometric shapes called the platonic solids, named after Plato, which includes a cube, a tetrahedron, an octahedron, and an icosahedron. Is that how you say that? Icosahedron? Um, I'm going to go with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the Pythagoreans understood that the universe is composed of four elements, fire, earth, air, water. They believed that the particles of each of these elements are in the shapes of these four platonic solids. But there's a fifth solid called the dodecahedron, yes. which has a pentagon on each of its 12 sides. Right. So the dodecahedron is by far the most difficult of the solids to construct because the drawing of the pentagon requires an elaborate application of the theorem of Pythagoras, for which he's best known. But... What is most interesting is that the Pythagoreans believed that the element that is in the shape of the dodecahedron is the spirit. Um, so we have earth, fire, air, water, and then sp spirit. I think dodecahedron is a soccer ball. Yeah, right? All Pretty the sure. All the different uh, pentagons on the side. Yeah. So, um, and they believe that the spirit was the original source of all things that arise in space and time. So I love how they're just like constantly connecting like spirituality and, and like math and science together. Like it, it seems very logical. So, um, oh, this is, okay, this is interesting. Follow, follow with me. So anthropologists have found that the planetary grid of Earth, like the Earth we live on right now, is an icosahedron by mapping high magnetic field locations in anomaly zones. So think like Bermuda Triangle. Mm -hmm. So, okay, this is kind of weird. If you take our Earth planet, the I icosahedron on it, flip it inside out into the dodecahedron, and then plot these new points on the Earth, um, then you have a worldwide grid plotting every single major monolithic structure in the history of the world. So they all line up specifically like to these points of basically like the sum of this theorem that Pythagoras came up with. So it's like Great Pyramid, Stonehenge, um, the Moai, the pyramids in Mexico, um, other mystical sites, churches, temples, burial sites are all on these called ley lines. Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Isn't that cool? So the Irish actually call this like icosahedron dodecahedron thing they call it the fairy paths the germans call it the holy lines the greeks call them the sacred roads of hermes the chinese call them dragon currents so like every culture has like also found out this like calculation and mm. equation hmm. um hmm. so many other cultures also claim that they could even see these lines and build roads and buildings on them like accordingly so Plato spoke about this and explains the grid as the synthesis of the platonic solids that constitute the ideal body of cosmos. So it's like unity, <coughs> unity with science and religion. And that is a beautiful thing to me. What do you think? And are, all I see the, are all the places that it, that the grid is, are they all occupied by something cool? Yeah. All of them? I think so. Yeah. All the ley lines. L-E-Y. L-E-Y, baby. That's wild. So, all this to say that if geometry is the basic behavior of vibrations, like in a literal physical sense, then vibrations are the nature of the universe 
and the universe is energetic in nature. So therefore, we physically can see geometry covering our planet. Again, connecting math. He's like the ultimate proof. Yeah, like the literal ultimate proof. I feel like this is like why people love like quantum physics and stuff. Yeah, because you, it, you can't say that the way that it's described is, I think it's like, it's like they're, the way that they describe it is it's kind of, um, you can't poke holes in it. You can't poke holes it's in it. It's pretty absolute. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm sure people cool. have tried. I mean, I know people have tried. This is like a very yeah. hot, not hotly debated, but. You know, this is like philosophy 101, physics 101, you know? I mean, to to also, like, for when it was happening, to have something actually work when all you're ever trying to do is figure out how anything works. Mm-hmm. I and mean, then you keep having these mathematical yeah. coincidences over and over and over That's again. That's got to feel so you gotta good. you got to feel like you did something, right? Pythagoras bust. I guess, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's gotta it's gotta feel but good. But nothing worked forever right. until this, and then it was like this is weirdly coincidental. There's like, a lot of interesting coincidences, I yeah. guess you can call them that. Yeah, you know what I mean, but, I this is like way better to me than like um uh anything in the Bible. <laughs> Basically, I was trying to come up with like one specific uh, example, but pretty much all all of the examples. Like, this is, but it, I mean, it just is unfortunate that the Bible was written down and none of this was all verbal and until, obviously, the math was written down. But um, I just like it. I think it's cool. So, okay, here's our topic for the day. Are you still awake? I'm here. Not you, the listeners. <laughs> Are you guys still awake? Okay, so our topic today is numerology, specifically Pythagorean numerology. So, they, the Pythagoreans, invested specific numbers with physical properties. So, like I said before, even numbers were female, odd numbers were male. So, let's get into some number symbiology real quick. The number one symbolized unity and the origin of all things, mostly because, like, um... So all the other numbers can be created from one and co- and copies of one. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. So one plus one plus one plus one equals seven. Like, ah, awesome. Um, so two was symbolic of duality. Me, you, male, female. Yes, no, alive, dead, left, right, yin, yang. Two is a female number. So three is a male number. So two plus three was like a kind of like a marriage of sorts. So five was like a marriage number. Um, the number three is very mystical and spiritual, um, featured in many folk tales. Three wishes, three guesses, three little pigs, three bears, three billy goats gruff. Hmm. There's the Holy Trinity. There's three primary gods in ancient Babylon. There's threes are everywhere. Yeah. I personally see the th- Trinity, the Holy Trinity. I see threes all the time everywhere. I see yeah. threes and thirteens like all the time. Um, so, also, three is the dimension of the smallest magic square in every row, column, and diagonal that sums to 15. That doesn't make sense to me. I think I meant to put that somewhere else. Does that make sense to you? Um, three squared. Nine. <laughs> okay. 
The number four represents justice and order in the universe. So there's four elements of air. I mean, (laughs) there's four elements, air, earth, fire, water. There's four seasons. There's four points of the compass. There's four phases of the moon. There is four noble truths in Buddhism. So to the Pythagoreans, four was the source of the tetractus one plus two plus three plus four, which equals ten. And ten was the most perfect number. Um, Also, in medieval times, there were thought to be the four humors, which were phlegm, blood, collar, and black bile. Ew. And the body was bled at these various places to bring the humors into balance. So, numbers, man. They're nuts. Okay, five, like I said before, the sum of two and three. Um, It symbolizes marriage, human life, and in... um, Platonic and Pythagorean traditions symbolizes marriage. Um, The Pythagoreans discovered the five regular solids, which were the tetrahedron, tetrahedron, cube, octahedron, dodecahedron, icosahedron, and those are the platonic solids we talked about earlier. Um, Early Pythagoreanisms uh, acknowledged only four of these, so the discovery of the fifth was something of an embarrassment. So, um, I think that's maybe why they, like, called it, like, counter-earth to be, like, rebellious and, um, like, exotic to cover up their embarrassment of, like, being like, oh, there's, oops, we have five. We meant to have four. And trying to make everything work numerically. Mm-hmm. And just, like, squishing just, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so five is cool because there's five fingers of the human hand, hopefully. Um, there are five extremities of the human body, two arms, two legs, a head. A human placed in a circle with outspread arms and legs, like spread, spread eagle, approximates the five points of a pentagon. Like the Vinci. Like the Da Vinci. And if each point is joined to its second nearest neighbor, a pentagram results. Um, the geometric figure is central to occultism. It plays a prominent role in summoning spells whereby it's supposed to trap a demon or a devil. Um, and the belief that five was sacred led to an extra element augmenting the traditional four that made a human being. So this was called the fifth essence or quintessence, which is where the word quintessential came from. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I love a fun fact, you know? I feel like I'm full of them today. I'm also very hot. Are you hot? I'm fine. I think I'm just moving my arms a lot when I talk because I'm excited. <laughs> Okay, six. <laughs> okay, I'm only going up to ten, so we're on six. Um, this is like an excellent way to fall asleep, just like listening to someone talk oh about God. numbers. <laughs> okay, so by um, conjunction of mathematical coincidences, six is both the sum and the product of one, two, and three. So one plus two plus three and one times two times three. Oh. Yes. So it's considered perfect. Like sure. That makes it perfect. In mathematics, a perfect number is one that equals the sum of its divisors, excluding itself, and six is that. Right. Um, so the perfection of six shows up in the six days of creation. In Genesis, God rests on the seventh day. Um, the structure of the creation parallels the sum one plus two plus three. Um, so like on day one, light was created on day two and three, heaven and earth appeared on day four, five and six, all the living creatures were created. So 
Six is special. Six is perfect. Everything cool happened in six days. Hmm. Next, we got seven. <laughs> surprise. Uh-huh. Surprise, surprise. So the sum of the spiritual three and the material four is seven. Um, in medieval education, there were seven subjects that they had to learn. Grammic, rhetor- grammar, rhetoric, logic, music, arithmetic, geometry, and astronomy. So this is actually known as like liberal arts. And this was a Pythagor- Pythagoras uh, thing. Um, let's see. There are seven distinct notes in the musical scale, counting from one to eight. From one, the eighth note up in the scale is the exceedingly harmonious octave. Um, in ancient Egypt, there were seven paths to heaven, seven heavenly cows. Osiris led his father through seven halls of the underworld. There's seven deadly sins. There's seven people on the real world. There's seven people on the real world. There's seven candles of the menorah. David Beckham's number was seven. There we go. So um, the number seven also is frequent in folk sayings. Breaking a mirror leads to seven years of bad luck. The movie seven. The movie seven. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? In Iran, a cat has seven lives, not nine. Really? So, yeah. Just there, though. Just there. But that, I think, goes back to, like, this, like, being closely associated with this Pythagorean thinking. Mm. Um, okay, the number eight. Auspicious number. The square of any odd number less one is always a multiple of eight. So nine minus one is eight. Twenty-five minus one equals eight times three. Forty-nine minus one equals eight times six. Um... And this can be proven mathematically, like I just did. In Babylonian myth, there were seven spheres plus an eighth realm, the fixed stars, where the gods lived. So eight is often associated with paradise. Um, Muslims believe that there are seven hells, but eight paradises, signifying God's mercy. In Buddhism, eight is a lucky number, um, possibly because of the eight petals of the lotus. um, And that's associated with luck in Buddhism. What did the zero say to the eight? What? Nice belt. Oh. <laughs> Did you just come up with that? I, it's not my joke, but it's a good one. Damn, that is a good one. It took me a second. Yeah. It's cute. It's a cute joke. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um. Okay, so nine. In contrast to eight, the number nine represents pain and sadness. Of, well, one of them has to. Mm-hmm. So 16th century Catholic theologian Peter Bungus. No way. Peter freaking Bungus. Bungus is back on the scene. Bungus is back, and he pointed out that the ninth psalm predicts the coming of the Antichrist. <laughs> Bungus is a bummer. Go well, go away, Bungus. Nine is also <laughs> an upside-down six, and six is perfect. Yes. So. Yes. You're screwing up the six. Yes. So, many folk sayings involve the number nine. A stitch in time saves nine. Cloud nine is ultimate happiness, which doesn't really make sense in this example. Um, a cat has nine lives. In Greek mythology, the river Styx, across which souls were ferried to the underworld, is described as having nine twists to it. Hmm. That's scary. Hmm. <laughs> now we're on to the most perfect number there ever was. Number ten. Because one plus two plus three plus four equals ten. And this is called the sacred decad. So the number 10 symbolized unity arising from multiplicity. Moreover, it was related to space. So like 
actual like space in time. So a single number, a single point corresponds to one, a line to two, a triangle to three, and space to four. So thus, ten symbolizes all possible spaces existing throughout the entire universe. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but humans have ten fingers and toes. So, counting on fingers probably led to the decimal system with its symbols 0 to 9 and its place values, whereby the 7 in 703 counts as 7 hundredths, but in 173, it's 7 tenths, and in 507, it's 7 units. I don't know what... I don't know what... What? I I shouldn't have put that fact in because it didn't make sense to me just then. I'm going to edit that out. (laughs) Um, we consider (laughs) no you're not (laughs) we consider powers of 10 such as 100 or 1000 to be round numbers Um, so it's like spherical it's round it's unity I talk about this all the time you do yes what what about it Um, and I've recently seen memes about it really yeah you do a number memes I just have seen them okay Uh, the examples are a television or inside of your car mm-hmm. and it's when volume is associated with a number mm-hmm. i will sacrifice the the like the exact volume that i want mm-hmm. for knowing that i have to have it end on a five or a zero really absolutely is that just something that you've always done uh-huh and wow. like like for example 11 could be perfect mm-hmm. but it isn't and it can't be <laughs> and it won't be yeah 10, ten sure or, or 15 mm-hmm. for, certainly not for example, 11 for, 14 no way what are you doing yeah you're arbitrary 33 <laughs> like no i like that's one of my favorite numbers i know but it's never a volume that i'm gonna not leave. a volume if there's a number that i'm assigning mm-hmm. it is going to be in a five or a zero sure I love that about you. That's just <laughs> how I... I think a lot of people do that. I, yeah. don't think I, I don't think I'm alone in that at all. No. When you get gas, do you end on a specific... 1,000%, if I can, yeah. I always try to get 13. Oh, say, no, no, no. Or I like a, any sort of 3, 6, or 9. Like, you know, 9 gallons. 3, 6, 9. Three, <laughs> Damn, she fun. <laughs> um, that, I love asking people, like, what number they, they get gas five or zero okay yeah 13 over here not even three six or nine all right so that's so weird oh my god that's so weird about me yeah you love it (laughs) all right let's get into a little bit of sacred geometry please i'm gonna send you a text of a picture that i will be referencing so here's a cool definition of sacred geometry So the belief that God created the universe according to a geometric plan is an ancient theory. Like, it's just like, duh. So sacred geometry is the idea that certain geometric shapes have symbolic, sacred, or spiritual meaning behind them. So, and these shapes, the sacred shapes, have been used throughout history in the construction of buildings that are religious and spiritual. Okay. So that's sacred geometry. All right, I'm going to send you this photo. You're going to be like, Beck, this is just a triangle. And I'm going to say, it is, but I got more to say about it than that. Let me find it. 
Let me. Okay, here it is. I got. I have so many pictures of triangles for this episode. Okay, I'm gonna send you a couple different things right now. Okay. All right. Sent. All right. So from ancientorigins.net, my favorite website and yours. The Pythagoreans came up with a triangle-based symbol in sacred geometry known as the Tetractus, or the Tetractus of the Decade. Decad, not decade. Decad. So Tetractus means four and Decad means ten. So this symbol consisted of ten dots arranged in four rows, thus forming an equilateral, equilateral triangle. Do you see it? I do. Okay. So the Tetractus is a full, it's full of symbolic meaning. Each row of dots is supposed to contain a hidden, a hidden meaning. So the first row at the top has the single dot, and that's said to represent the active principle or divine power behind all creation, um, or a point. And then the second line is repre- it represents matter, so or um, matter or like one dimension. So it's two points, and it creates a line. The third row is the world proceeding from the union of the active and passive principles, representing two dimensions. Um, And then the fourth is the four liberal arts and sciences that complete the world, or three dimensions, or a tetrahedron defined by four points. So they loved their symbolism with lines and dots and points and triangles. And they loved it so much. Were you going to say something? No. That they made a prayer about it. I'm going to read you the prayer. It's called the Tetractus Prayer for real. In parentheses, for real. <laughs> it goes a little something. Featuring J. Cole. <laughs> and 369 Mafia. Um. Wow. <laughs> okay, here it goes. Bless us, divine number, thou who generated gods and men. O holy, holy Tetractus, thou that containest the root and source of the eternal flowing creation. For the, number, for the divine number begins with the profound, pure unity until it comes to the holy four. Then it begets the mother of all, the all-compromising, all-bounding, the firstborn, the never-swerving, the never-tiring, holy ten, the keyholder of all. Heyo! Ding, how's ding, how's ding, that ding, for a prayer? I like that prayer better than they are, Father. What? Talking about numbers and stuff. Our Father... Our father full of shit. <laughs> this we're not that's what that's not what this podcast is about. You're right. I'm sorry. I got fired up. But I thought it was pretty funny though. That's a fine prayer. Mm-hmm. I don't know the frequency in which it's said. I couldn't tell you either. Nobody does. There's Another probably people who practice this religion that don't even know that prayer. I don't think anybody's practicing this anymore. In fact I think I have a fact about that. Um, so there was this thing called the Pythagorean Oath of Silence for the novice members of the Brotherhood, and they had to recite an oath that also mentions the Tetractus. Um, but I, I was going to recite that oath, but I decided not to because, no, just no. So naturally, the Pythagoreans adopted the tetractus as their symbol this was very very important to them these dots that formed the triangle um 
It's so important, in fact, that Pythagoras is depicted beside Archimedes, who is shown holding a tablet, and at the top of the tablet, it displays Archimedes' principle, and then below it, there's a picture of the Tetractus, which is a nod to Pythagoreans. Um, it was not purely a Pythagorean symbol, though. It had influence on other sacred geometry cultures, like Kabbalah. It's also seen in tarot reading. Uh, this triangle? That one. Okay. Um, it's seen in physics. It has seen in bowling. That's how bowling pins are set up. That's how billiard balls are set up. And the Catholic Church, um, they have the coat of arms for archbishops, and that specific symbol is on their archbishop coat of arms. So it may have originated with you know, the Greeks, but a lot of other cultures have taken it on. It's interesting with this one that it's, uh, it's literally just, well, we figure. We just, like, figured. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, Moses climbed up the mountain mm -hmm. and came back down and was like, yo, you're never going to believe what happened <laughs> to me and just me. Yeah. I was alone. Right. No one's going to, you're never going to believe this. Right. But he had the proof, right? He had the he had, him he with had him, the right? tablet. But in this case, it's just like, yeah, we uh, yeah, one, right? So without one, <laughs> you can't you have can't have two. two. So one is important because mm -hmm. without it, it's the it is the like main referenced unit. That mm -hmm. is without it, we have nothing. Yeah. And then it's like two, so it's like all right, well, like two is like pretty much two ones, right? So that's <laughs> you important. You can draw a line from like, them. <sighs> I mean, what else did they have to think about, though? Like, nothing. All they could do was make sense of shit like that didn't I said, matter. And like I said, when it's when the numbers line up like this, where they're like one plus two plus three plus four is ten, mm -hmm. it's like, well, what about five? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just for just for just for shits and giggles. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, if you're gonna do that, then what makes you stop? Yeah. Because what about what, what one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six mm -hmm. plus seven plus eight plus nine? Mm-hmm. They were like, stop, four, stop See, at that, four. Yeah. This is like how Kabbalah, it was the first five books of the Torah. And it's like, well, how many others are there? Yeah. Um, I you see what... You can't... You can't win. You just can't win, you know? Um, so, moving from triangles, we're going to talk about circles for a second. This is the second picture you've just sent me. Yes. Okay, the second picture, which I'm sure you will post. Mm -hmm. Tessellation galore. Mm -hmm. This looks like... Uh, when I was a kid in the '90s, there was um, there were coloring books. Yes, you remember these coloring books? Absolutely. They were like sixty pages. Mm -hmm. The paper was really nice. The paper was like thick, but mm -hmm. sometimes it was see-through. Mm, not the ones I had. Okay, mine was thick. Okay, these were expensive coloring books. Mm -hmm. And then it was just like a thing where you would look at it and you would go, hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sending I'm looking you more. At this, you know, it's like I'm looking at this right now, and it's like I'm gonna make all of uh, these things this color. Yeah. You go around and make all of them. That oh color. yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, now we're gonna get into this stuff too. Uh huh. Okay. So. There's a lot of. Uh, oh man, this stuff is all stuff drawn with a compass. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is fun. Yeah. I I sent Nick a bunch of different circle circle pictures that I'm about to talk about. So if you're listening to this and you're not asleep yet, just open up Instagram. See the newest post. You'll be able to tell. You'll be able to tell if you if you can recognize shapes. So, um, the circle. The circle in Pythagoreanism was used as, as a symbol of unity, oneness, and indivisibility. So, if we take that fact a step farther, 
the circle may be repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated in order to create new symbols. One of these, for instance, is the, it's called the vesica Pisces, which means the bladder of the fish. And this could be like even where like the Christian fish came from. The Ixus fish. The, yes, the Ixus. Um, I feel like we talked, we didn't talk about vesica Pisces before, but something similar when we were talking about that tree in that one episode. I can't, oh my God, I can't remember. Um, anyway, so the vesica Pisces is formed by intersecting two circles with the same radius. So think like Venn diagram shape. So the intersection of the two circles in the vesica Pisces is said to represent mutual understanding, shared vision, or common ground between individuals. Um, but then the vesica Pisces can be repeated in order to produce more symbols. So think like an infinite Venn diagram, pretty much. So if you arrange six of the vesica Pisces radial, radially around a central circle, it produces a six-petaled rosette, yeah, known as the seed of life. So then if you repeat that, um, if you repeat the six-petaled rosette, another symbol, the flower of life, is produced. And the flower of life, yep, is a an ancient symbol. The thing I had the coloring book of. Yep. That's an ancient symbol, and it's depicted, like, all over various sacred sites around the world. Um, and it represents the divine. It represents mathematical order of the universe. Um, and I thought this was interesting, but there's one early example of that, the flower of life, drawn into a column at the temple of Osiris in Abydos, Egypt, where mm. we talked about in the first episode in Kematism. Oh. Isn't that funny? It probably felt good to be able to to know what you were creating mm -hmm. as a circle was perfect yeah it probably felt good to be so able good. to actually tidy it up and oh, like yeah. know you know what i mean absolutely at that rate in that time of mm -hmm. existence and human existence mm -hmm. to be like we know that this is a actual perfect circle yeah we know that it's perfect yeah it's like, it had to feel so good that's nice <laughs> because other because prior to that it was probably close mm -hmm. or yeah. at least like artistically it could have been perfect for sure but it, they didn't know why so that's why this is kind of important mm -hmm. i to um, say that a circle has 360 degrees in it is like break that down and, right and know why it's yeah. like oh that's kind of cool that's interesting yeah um this all this circle talk reminds me of when i was in high school in art class and we had to it was like tessellation week like mm -hmm. do a tessellation and i literally like had a dime in my pocket and i just like traced the dime over and over again and basically created that exact same thing without like knowing what i was doing but when i was doing it instead of being like this is a sacred um you know symbolis symbolism of unity i was like i am the dumbest person ever this is the most simple like stupid design i i like really beat myself up about that tessellation because i thought it was stupid but now i have a little bit of a little bit of validation that it's an important symbol we gotta get you a tessellation coloring book i would love one let's mm. go to barnes and noble after this we are we do have some places to go we probably are gonna have to go out are we going out mm -hmm. okay um oh so some other examples of sacred geometry are the fibonacci spiral in nature the shell Oh my god. Okay, check I it out. It. Yeah. David. Burger. No. 
David. I'm not going to say his last name, but my buddy David. Oh, not Dave. David? Yeah. Okay. Has that, and and our buddy, uh, another buddy, Matt, have that. Tattooed? They got it. They got it. They got it at the same time. Nice. When we were, wow, they got that in like 2003 or four, probably. They must love Pythagoreans. Well, it's the perfect ratio. Right. It's one of, it's, yeah. So that is a, that's sacred geometry. You know what else is an example? Hmm. Our boy Metatron. Remember mm-hmm. when we talked about Metatron's cube? How could I forget? In Kabbalism. Um, there's also also a bunch of different vector equilibriums. And then there's the golden rectangle, which they also... I have golden rectangle in parentheses, Donald Duck. Which, so they like talked about the golden rectangle in that um, Donald Duck episode too. I need to watch that Donald Duck thing. We should maybe put that on the roster for tonight. Yeah. Um, so like I said earlier, we're talking, we're talking numerology as our topic. So here's a couple here's a couple little fun facts because the Pythagoreans invested spe- specific numbers with mystical properties so this was like big for them. So Mozart incorporated Masonic and Pythagorean symbols into his opera the Mag- the Magic Flute. Hmm. Um, Dante Alighieri was fascinated by Pythagorean numerology and based his descriptions of hell, purgatory and heaven off of Pythagorean numbers. Hmm. I feel like Dante comes up like almost every episode. Deontay. <laughs> um, the Piag- Pi- Pythagorean teaching of Musica Universalis is a reoccurring theme throughout Thoreau's um, book Walden. Um, so there's like a bunch of different types of numerology. There's Chaldean, there's Pythagorean, um, but specifically Pythagorean numerology is basically learning how to translate letters into numbers to master their meaning so when you take a name you analyze it under pythagorean numerology it gives a psychological viewpoint to what motivates you your what um you best express naturally impressions you make on others there's an instagram account that i follow that does this for like for conspiracy theories (gasps) pretty much that start that, that, that but it's not it's labeled as art yeah so, like, some of it you can look at and you can go, wow, the coincidences are uncanny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then other ones you're like, okay. You're like, like what? You're, you're making the numbers work. And right. I get it. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a couple accounts like that on Instagram you'll find if you look. You should send me one. I got put onto it by a pal. That's awesome. Yeah. And I see it and we talk about the posts all the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so cool. It's weird. It's weird, but it's yeah. A, but it's some of it, every once in a while, you're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. They're right. Ooh, and then other I love times that. you're like, all right. I That's get a stretch. It's yeah. like, well, it's like, yeah, but it's it's, it's almost like a practice. Mm-hmm. I think when you start doing something like that, it's hard to stop doing something like that. Oh, yeah. Once your mind goes there, you can't unsee and it. And you know who definitely does this a lot? Who? People who gamble. Yeah. Gamblers Pattern. are Patterns. heavy, heavy into this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, literally, like something, uh, something as weird as like a player's jersey number. Yeah. Which is which is sometimes you know why, and sometimes you don't know why a player's jersey's number is what it is. Mm-hmm. But they'll take it to the bank. I mean, and, and is that just like pure luck? Is it superstition? Is it based on any sort of logic? It's just. It's just numbers, man. They're crazy. I. I understand the 
the superstition around numbers is so is really interesting. I, I get the need or the uh, it's like an itch you need to scratch mm-hmm. to be able to like put a number, which is like a a matter of fact is a number. You know what I mean? It's like six is six is the unit. You know yeah. what I mean? Whatever. Absolutely. So like th- to do that or apply something like that to all this stuff that is always going to be unknown mm-hmm. to me is just kind of like don't do that to numbers. Oh, you're you're disrespecting numbers? Kind of. You're putting too much pressure on numbers. Well, it's like numbers do enough. <laughs> you don't got to be like, two I like is mommy correl- and daddy. You I don't like, got to do that. I like the correlation just because, honestly, like I said before, they like didn't have anything else to de- I, do I, or think about. And I get it because it works. <laughs> did, did you say two is mommy and daddy? Yeah, two. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like one is the is the self. You yeah. know, one is the, the top. Two is... Let, okay. You know what I mean? Keep that in mind, okay? So, Pythagorean numerology method defines natural abilities, talents, tools you were given at birth, which is why it's important to use your full name at birth when you're doing, uh, like, a numerology chart. Because so, the numbers could be off. So, which yes. Is, which proves... Anything is possible. It proves that it's... Uh, like that you can fit it into a box if you yes, want to yes yeah. yes so yes, i that, plugged yeah. your name and your birthday into an online pythagorean numerology calculator yes so let's I'm gonna tell do you, it i'm gonna tell you a little bit about yourself okay this is awesome let's see if you uh agree with this or not okay i have so they do six different um numbers there's the life path the birthday number the destiny number, the expression number, the character, and the inner soul. Okay? Okay. So, your life path number is the sum of all the numbers in your birth date added up to a single digit. So, like, you keep adding them until it's a single digit. Um, it's the main number in Pythagorean numerology, and it provides the most information about you and your life. Um, it shows your life experiences and the lessons you will learn during your lifetime. So your life path number, 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1 plus 9 plus 8 plus 5, equals 1. Don't do it. Don't do it. What? Don't give my mm. birth date out. Why? Because it's like they use that in like security things. I'll, I'll edit it out. I'll I edit know. out your birthday. What's, my, what's the number? 1? <laughs> yes. Your life path number is 1. So. How a, basic. A person with life path number 1 tends to be hardworking. A natural-born leader with a pioneering spirit that's full of energy and a passion for art. Mm. I say yes to all those things for you. I don't think I'm a natural-born leader. You don't? No. You got a lot nor to say. Do I, nor do I think I'm a pioneer. Okay. Well, they have all a very... All the other stuff. I think I'm hardworking. They have a very strong desire to be number one, which means mm. a person with this number manifests very easily. You're a really good manifester. Due to their determination and self-motivation, they won't let anything stand in their way of accomplishing a goal. Their drive allows them to overcome any obstacle or challenge they may encounter, and they have the desire to accomplish great things in their lifetime. They just need to focus on what they want in order to achieve it. This seems very vague. (laughs) Okay, now on to your birthday number, which is your birthday, Mm -hmm. literally the day, added up into one digit. So yours is four. Mm-hmm. So um, people with the number four are very attentive to others. 
They value reliability and support. This number gives a chance to people with frivolous attitudes towards life who don't know what they want. If number four <laughs> shares love and support with you, it means that this person has chosen you as a partner. <laughs> Thank you. Number four people are serious and practical, and they actively try to cultivate these features in their friends. If number four doesn't like a person... But you're also a number four. I am also a number four. Crazy. Whoa, we chose each other. Damn. Wow. Damn, go on. Um, if number four doesn't like a certain person, he will just neglect them. But if the friend is a... But if it is a friend or a relative... Get ready for instant and instant moralizing and lessons on how to live. So basically, you're just telling people how to live. Um, of course, it comes from the heart, but it is impossible to listen to morals all the time. Um, number four should learn that sometimes silence is louder than words. Also, number four should understand that opinions and lifestyles are different, and wow. nobody lives by the pattern. Wow. That's pretty good. That's that pretty hard. on point for you. I'm having a hard time with this one. I don't really relate to it as much as I think it relates to you, but that's okay. All right, on to your destiny number. Mm -hmm. I forget how you get this one. I didn't write it down. But your destiny number is number one. And destiny Damn. number one is associated with leadership. Um, people who have life path of number one or destiny number one are generally independent, self-motivated individuals who are creative and want to be first in everything. That doesn't... I don't feel... Yeah. Is that... Was that Tony snoring? I think so. I don't know what that is. Okay, next is the expression number. Uh, this is calculated from your full name, and there's, like, a chart that's, like, A, 1, B, 2. But, like, I I'll, I can post it. Um, so this number shows what you're destined to do, the strength of your potential, and your natural talents and capabilities. So your expression number is seven. Okay. So you must learn to discriminate between illusion and reality, but you are well equipped for the task. Your fine mind offers you insight into the veiled mysteries of life. You also possess a considerable amount of perspective. Hmm. I do feel like I'm good at perspective. <laughs> you are. Okay. The next one is the character. Um, this is the number of consonants in your name, but it's not like the number of consonants. It's the consonants in your name correlating to the numbers of the Pythagorean numerology. So your character number is six. Numerology personality number sixes are loving and caring. They are born caregivers. <laughs> they are concerned with humanity and peaceful outcomes at all cost. Definitely not. No. They are known for their giving nature and warmth. Mm. They tend to be happiest in surroundings which they are familiar. Yes. They enjoy home and harmony, and they can be artistic in nature. Weird mix of things in that one. It's like... I just... <sighs> this is the last one. Mm -hmm. This is your inner soul number, or the vowels in your name, your vowel number. Again, you get a number one. Um, you are a leader, not a follower. Your independence and originality make you a natural leader. You command respect of others and the people around you at work and at home. Um, you have a strong personality. The traits that make you a strong leader also make you a compelling personality. 
you are often the center of attention, life of the party, but you can be rigid. Um, there are negative characteristics that can come from having such a strong personality. Um, uh, it's often your way or the highway. I don't think that's true at all. If you feel resistance when you express yourself in this way, it's your inner wisdom telling you to lighten up. You are thoughtful. Um, being a natural born leader means that you are responsible and thoughtful. If you were not, you would not be the center of attention. Interesting logic. I don't feel like this is that accurate whatsoever. Yeah, I don't either. Um, the leader thing is not. You got leader a bunch of times, but though. But I'm not. I, I don't know. I have, like... Would you ne- like to be? I don't I don't even know. And, it like, in what capacity? Because <laughs> most jobs I've had, if there was a manager, I wasn't a manager. And you didn't want to be. It was never even really even something I considered as an option. This last tiny little part is you are likely to be successful. Success comes naturally to you, especially if you are in alignment with your inner wisdom and your soul's purpose. You tend to manifest circumstances that you desire at will and um, miraculously wield higher attracting energies. Yeah, I believe that. But that could be any anyone. Just by being positive. Just yeah. by being like, this would be cool. <laughs> and then it happens and you're like, that's cool. Yeah, you're good at that. Yeah, so that, uh, I don't I don't know how that worked out for you. But I thought it would be fun to try. It was you know? funny. It was fun and funny. Um, so that's basically, that's all I got for hmm. Pythagoreanism. I, I love this one. It was good. I liked it too. Yeah. Interesting. It doesn't invoke a lot of um, opinion, like like Dudism. You no, know? because this one's literally based on numbers. Mm-hmm. It's nice. It's, so it's like. I feel like it's a safe, a safe space. It's a, in this religion. It's a, uh, it's almost like for, to a degree, I'm sure there's a lot of people who do or did believe in it that like because wasn't a good enough reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of the answer to because, which is interesting. I want to know like how the, um, the guys, the monks in this brotherhood were like, how they found out about it, how they were like recruited into it, like the oath. I want to like... It it was interspersed, like, being called a cult, like, a religious philosophy, a religion, a philosophical society, like... Yeah. It wasn't just one thing in all the things I read about it. But, um, don't stay away from the beans. They could be humans. That's so weird. <laughs> Isn't that? That was just weird. That's just, like, a bizarre... Biz- like, I... When I was researching this, I was not expecting anything about beans whatsoever it's almost like if that were to happen today mm-hmm. it would be because like the uh i don't know like it would be for some corporate reason that had to do with yeah. money yeah and it would be like don't we don't eat beans because mm-hmm. like my my father-in-law runs my father-in-law makes the most amount of money for his whole life because he is a bean investor yeah yeah. You know what I mean? Or Absolutely. something like that. And it's like, that's why we don't do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wonder what the reason was then. Because yeah. it was so primitive. Again, such a primitive But back time. then it was just like, whatever Pythagoras said went. Which is pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. So that's all I got. Um, pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. I had a lot of fun facts. I appreciated that. Shocker. I didn't have... 
a lot of uh, screaming, outright <laughs> interjections because this one's based on on fact numbers. Hey, lesson learned. If 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 you want if you want to rile Nick up, just talk about a parody religion. Yeah, don't be bringing any <laughs> fake fake out parody religions around me. <laughs> not even like light-hearted ones. Um, Definitely not. No, <laughs> nothing about this is lighthearted. No puns. Listen, w- real quick. Um, I feel like we're nearing the end of this podcast, right? We're at, we're at an hour and a half at this point. So oh my yeah, god, we, we gotta okay, get out listen, of here. I had a buddy. Gotta... I had a buddy try the Dadgrass mm-hmm. discount code. Oh, did it work? It worked. Oh, good. Okay. So real quick, if you guys are looking for a, if you're over eighteen and you're looking for a super um, mellow good time. Alternative to THC. It doesn't have any in it. The numbers are so low that it is via... You can ship it via mail. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go to dadgrass.com. You're going to get yourself some CBD. You can get, to yourself, mm-hmm. you can get yourself some tincture if you, if you want. A joint. You can get a pack of joints. You can get a tincture. You can get some merch. We love dadgrass. That's great. But you're going to type in. They're going to ask you for a promo code. And you're going to say, I know, <laughs> I know there is one. <laughs> but what is it? But what is it? And it's... DG loves ISMS. DG loves isms. 15% off, baby. I mean, come on. Get on it. Really, really loving those, uh, the the George Harrison. Uh, yeah, they have a George Harrison edition that just came out very recently. Um, the, the merch and uh, rollout for that actually was incredible. And I know we talk about the, we don't know who does it. I know. Which is strange, but I don't want anybody to think anything... Uh, Anything phony or fraudulent is ever going on. It's definitely not. In this attic. Oh, my God. We are full of authenticity. So, yeah, use that discount code. Get yourself something. Chill out. You deserve it after listening to this and not falling asleep. Yeah, chill out. Or even if you did. Also, just thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. You don't have to. But you are but you did. And we love you. And we appreciate you. Next week's going to be probably pretty cool. I yeah. don't know even know what the hell it's going to be, but I'm I having a great time. I don't know what it is yet either, but I just can't believe we're we are in double digits and we're gonna we're gonna keep going at our at a, a pace. Whatever whatever pace whatever is. Whatever pace the universe wants. If you get really impatient, reach out to us. Maybe we'll send you something. That would be fun. Go Sounds ahead. good. See if we care. We won't care. We'll respond. <laughs> Um, All right, that's it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you whenever. Sooner than later. (laughs) Sooner than later. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye.